Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organise Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. As you know, Organise Curate Design are the key sponsor for She Inspires Me. If you are an Organised Curate Design fan and have been keen to get your hands on some of our products, now is the time to do it as we are having a sale. 50% off all products at organisedcuratedesign.com forward slash shop. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Today, I have a fellow woman of colour and fellow mother of a teen, Nama Winston, with me today. Thank you for being on the podcast, Nama. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. And also, I'm really, really happy to support you because as a fellow woman of colour, that's what we need to do. Yes, very much so. Now, I'm going to share a little bit about you with our listeners so they can get to know you. Um, now, this is nice and like short and sweet with you. So let's um, let's get started. So as a proud woman of colour and single parent advocate, Nama Winston is a former lawyer turned writer. She writes on everything from parenting to race issues Um, Nama has also written a chapter in a book about infertility and regularly contributes to parenting and divorce podcasts. She's a mum of one teen and a stepmom and loves it almost as much as she loves me time. (laughs) So I know that you are a woman of many words because you share those words with the world all the time, but that bio is probably the shortest one I have ever read (laughs) on She Inspires Me. So what is the deal? Like, have I missed anything? What is there some skeleton in the closet that you have not told us? Oh my God. This there's so there are so many skeletons in the closet. <laughs> um I don't know. I have had so many chapters of life. Like I'm 44 and mm-hmm. um, you know, I came to Sydney to have a completely different career uh, three years ago and dragged my 10-year-old son along with me for the ride. And we don't have any family here. Um, but yeah. I had too much family. <laughs> it was too much. That's why I came here. Um, no, so it was a completely, I just wanted to see what life was like when you don't, you know, I'd worked really hard to um, get to a certain position in life after being, you know, married and a lawyer and we did property development and we did, like, we just did so wow. much. Yeah, just so many different chapters. Anyway, I've it's funny that you say I'm a woman of so many words and this is now like I've just, I feel like I've just crapped on about myself for about 30 seconds and no one's listening. Um, but it's not very, like it's not interesting to me, but it's just, that's, to me though it is the way life should be lived because, you know, the more chapters you've got in your book, um, I think the more experience you have and life just makes so much more sense when you've got experience. Like in my 20s, I was like just so dumb and stupid and naive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, right. I hear that. I'm I'm not, I'm a little bit younger than you. I'll be 38 in a couple of months. And, um, but yeah, I do look back to certain things I did in my, I was a parent in my 20s, so I couldn't be too irresponsible. But yeah, I definitely look back to my 20s and go, what were you doing? (laughs) 
Uh, no, Vera, you're getting me wrong. I was a step parent in my 20s. Like that was oh, wow. my whole 20s. I was married to a man um, and with a man 21 years older than me and I was a stepmother to two, two different children from his two different oh. marriages. Um, I was yeah. a third wife. So that's what I'm saying. I did young and stupid things because I did, wasn't I wasn't concentrating on myself. Yeah, um, that's so living, fascinating. Yeah, living his life, yeah. So interesting. Now take us back to that time of you being a lawyer. So so you've obviously completely changed your life, moved to Sydney, become a writer, but what was Nama the lawyer like? Oh, my God, it's so funny. So I'm from a family of four sisters and they were all like ducks of their class, like super, super smart. Both of my parents. Uh, Is that an ethnic thing as well? Like what your parents like? You have to get good grades and be something important. I mean, like, no, 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 there were only two options, medicine or law, right? So this is like <laughs> my, my beautiful, hardworking immigrant Indian parents. And yes. all my sisters got into medicine easy, easy. I was, I'm the dumb one in the family. Um, I, I only got enough to get into law. But the good thing is, is that I'm a words person. I'm not a, like dad used to like make me watch him like suture patients in the clinic and stuff like that. And I like the first time he did it, I passed out. Like, so I think he knew I wasn't gonna, you know. But I'm a words person. I talk a lot. You know, writing comes really naturally to me, and so, so that was good. So law was, um, law was the most boring thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I would go to court and fall asleep because it was just so boring. Um, and I actually was an in-house counsel. I actually never really practiced. Um with clients and like went to court and stuff like that I mean you know I've done it but it's not it wasn't the way that it worked because um yeah and it's just I mean like I love talking to people and hearing their stories but and advocating for them so Mm -hmm. that part was good but um yeah it it didn't come law was just never as interesting so I did like a arts degree with my law degree and you know like in the arts degree like I majored in English and I was like doing reading like seven books a week and I couldn't believe that that was you know part of my degree like to read seven books a week it was just so you know I just loved doing it so I always wanted to be a writer and um yeah so one day I just did it (laughs) that is amazing and did your parents freak out well, the saddest part is, is my dad had always said to me, my dad written, had written two books and he loves, like, you know, English was his second language. Um, he loved English. He loved Shakespeare. Like it's so weird that he was this, like, impoverished, starving little boy in a Fijian village and he was, like, reading Shakespeare and loving it and stuff. Like, oh, wow. He was such a weirdo. That's so beautiful. But, but like, but obviously somehow pass that on to you because that's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So um, he always said to me, "You'll be a writer one day. You'll be a writer one day." Um, I think my mum's a bit disappointed in me because you certainly don't make a lot of money being a writer, <laughs> especially li- like si- moving from Adelaide to Sydney as well. Like I, the cost of living just is so different. Let alone. No. Let alone going from a lawyer's wage to a writer's, a freelance writer's wage. So, wow. Well, it's not even a wage. It's like if they want to pay me, they pay me. Like that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's 
put away. But yeah, so it's um, it's a you know it's something writing is something that I'm really good at and comes mm-hmm. naturally to me, and that it is the only thing in my life I can say that about. <laughs> right? Like I have no wow. No, that is, but that's beautiful that you have that. I, I think that sometimes we underestimate these these skills that we have that are really natural skills, and then we go, "Oh, this is my thing!" Like, and that's okay. Like, it's okay to have that one key thing. Um, because I'm like one of those eclectic people that just have a million. I have way too many things, and sometimes it's hard. So, to what you're trying to tell me is that you're multi talented and a skilled. No, no, no. I'm a multi trier. I just give it a crack. Like I'm not saying I'm good at stuff. I'm just saying that I'm willing to give multiple things a crack and fall flat on my face. Yeah, but over you know, and over and so, over. so you know, when I told people that I was like moving to Sydney, they're just like, "What?" Like you know, I was forty at that time. Um, you know, you work hard to get everything that you want. You know, like where you're living and like the school that my son was in and all of that. You know, we're all settled. And then they're just like, you're just going to like chuck all of that away. And I'm like, no, it's just I'm not done at 40. It's a new chapter. Yeah. It's not I- checking it out. It's just you take that stuff with you. That's your yeah. experience. That's your, that's the life to that point in time. And and well, every single moment has taken you to being ready for the next chapter. So that that is incredible. I, I absolutely love that. So you've written on so many topics and I've read a lot, you know, I've been following your work for the last couple of years, and um, and I have so many aha moments. Like some of the some of the things you write about, so many different things, and some of the things I'm just like I giggle so hard, mm-hmm. and then some of them are like real aha moments. Um, but have you had one article that like has been just the one that went viral, or the one that has had the most impact for you, and what? Why do you think, what was it, like, why do you think that was? All right, one of my most ever successful stories. So, um, first of all, like, the Daily Mail in the UK, The Sun, all of those tabloid, you know, major magazines, over, all newspapers, inverted commas over there, they read everything that we do over here. So I'm constantly being contacted by them to reproduce my articles. But what's so funny is that it's stuff like I wrote about a face mask hack using pseudocreme, you know, the baby bum cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as a, as a mask for your face once a week. But that is actually yep. today my most clicked on story. Talking <laughs> about Donald Trump and serious shit and Barnaby Joyce and shit like that. And my most successful story is a baby bum cream face mask hack. All right, sweet. So you can hang th- that's on your tombstone. That yeah. that's it. I'm actually pseudo cream face mask woman. Um, and actually, and there's this picture of me, and it's because it's got the best picture of like this face full of it. Look, I look like Mrs. Um, Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire, right? Doubtfire in the pie. So that that's what's so funny. Mm-hmm. Actually, in terms of like serious stuff, my um, just recently earlier this year, um, I wrote um, actually just a few months ago, I wrote a um. A story on microaggressions. This was in the height of like mm, you know, the. Yeah, I remember this piece. Yeah, and that actually was the number one story on Mama Mia for the week, and it was about racial microaggressions. Mm-hmm. And what's really, which is 
which is basically, you know, the new term for um, casual racism when people yeah. don't realise and don't mean to be offensive but they just really are um, based on race. And what surprised me about how pop- popular that um, topic was was that it showed people really cared. Like white mm. people were like, yes, I want to be educated on this and I didn't, I wasn't expecting people to write back to me and say, yeah, God, you're a windy little fucker and, you know, stuff like that. But that didn't, that was not what happened. So I think it was the right community for it. Yeah. And it yeah, was, was very, very receptive to being mm. um, educated. So that is something that surprised me. And it was a welcome yeah. surprise, yeah. Yeah, no, I I read that piece and I have read a few of your pieces on similar subject matter, um, but I read that and was like, yeah, I know that feeling. Um, but then I shared it with a few of my white friends and they were like, oh, I didn't know that happened and thank you for telling me and why haven't you told me this before? And it opened up. It was definitely a point in time where we could open up a lot of discussions yeah. and, and those discussions are still happening and, and that's fantastic. So you've you're pretty honest in your writing and you share a lot. Is there is there anything you won't write about? Which there's, now puts you because now you have to mention what it is and someone will be like, write about that. <laughs> um now it looks like I'm really open with a lot of things. But mm. of course, I mean like I'm not even writing under my real name. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do, I do. Okay, so you know, that's something that I really protected and I did that for my son and um so I mean like people who know me like no you know like know my you know real name yeah, you're right. of course. you know like if you were desperate you could you know find it out but it um there's you know the most intimate moments of my life like particularly about like any romantic involvements and stuff like that I don't write about that and I don't write about the most intimate, like I always check with my son to make sure that he's happy um, and comfortable yeah. with what I'm writing about and he's like, he is Gen Z. He's like, you know, he's hungry like for the media attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was actually one of my my questions today and, and we can dive straight into that. So, yeah. so how old is your son now? He just, oh, no, he's. 13 and a half now, God, yep. so old. And um, he's like, I mean, you, you know from my writing, we are super, super close because it's just been the two of us since he was two. And um, it's so funny because, like, he's like he te- he's the one who teaches me so much about social media and, you know, what the trends are and what people are talking mm. about. Like, he'll come and pitch to me. He'll say, oh, Mum, your pictures this morning. What about this? Write about this and this and this. He is he's like my manager, like really. Oh, that's awesome because yeah. I thought you, like I was genuinely expecting you. Mind you, I thought, well, he features in a lot of your stuff, so surely he knows, like, and he, you he, you would have had to have stopped if he, he was really upset about it sort of thing. But um, that's fantastic because it's, it is this really fine line when you're sharing so much of his life and and what the experiences you you're both sharing as as mother and son um so what's been um has he ever have you ever written something maybe that he didn't pitch to you that he's like oh mum why why did you say that or why did you write that or is he just totally on board he is my number one fan and that is is just the nicest thing in the world he Backs because the thing is, is 
people read my stuff, right? And they know that it's me. So his teachers are reading it, right? So he's, his teachers are reading it. Um, the the mums of his friends are reading it. So, mm. you know, I'm very aware of my audience. And people yeah. talk to him about, I oh, saw so what your mum wrote the other day and blah, blah, blah. So I, I have to... Uh, yeah, and so so far so good. Like there's never been a time where like, oh, mum, I almost died. He is so <laughs> proud of me. And, in fact, the book, the book that I wrote, the chapter on infertility on, he's yeah. organised with his school library um, to get a co- copy. Oh, my goodness. He, I love him. <laughs> seriously, he's just my number one fan. Like no one else in my family cares about me. Um, like, you know, everyone, because I've got such a family of high achievers, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> Oh my god! You you can't compete. I just don't stand a chance. So like no one like you know, my sister's like doing kidney transplants and you know whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah I'm definitely the loser in the family. So uh, <laughs> I'll be like oh I got a story on the front page of news.com and they'll be like where where we can't see it. I can't I can't like you know like that like that no that's not true they're they're a great they're great supporters of mine <laughs> but it's different it's just like a different yeah. world and if you don't if you're in that kind of professional world or the medical world or whatever else like yeah. we we end up in our silos of industry and and what is a, an incredible achievement in one industry could pay, look like it could pale against another but they're, they're still incredible achievements and I'm glad that you have your son cheering you along and and getting your book in the library and those sorts of things are, are amazing so well, that's that's beautiful and and I I guess that kind of leads me really well into what I'd like to talk about which is being a single parent because uh, like I would think that I've had a very small stint at being a single parent and I say that in the sense that I um I separated from my ex-husband when my um eldest son was nearly 5 and um but then I remarried like not that far after um and I recoup like you know and I'm with my husband now and all that sort of stuff so I wasn't on my own for very long and we we blended our family pretty quickly um but man, I remember the very short period of time where I was single parent and it was hard and it was shitty and it was oh, very challenging um, in lots of different ways. Um, but it sounds like the relationship you have with your son has really thrived in the parenting model that you have. I'm- what do you think people don't understand about single parents? I think my I was really lucky with my experience of single parenting for a couple mm. of reasons. Firstly, I'm the one who made the decision to leave. So I think that's I think that so there's no time of there was no time of grieving and stuff like that. I had already mm. done all of that in the shitty last six months of my marriage. So I I guess I was lucky uh, I was lucky. I w- did not feel abandoned and rejected. I just never looked mm. back. And that is so many for so many women that's not their experience. They're blindsided or they're they're the ones who've been like, you know, and the husband's just like run off and um, and they're just like left holding everything. So it was different for me in terms of that, in terms of my attitude. Um, I was also quite young. I think I was 31. Um, so I knew that I had like a lot of time ahead of me to, you know, um, have a fresh life. I think it's different if you're, if you're divorced at 50. Um, you might feel you might feel differently. Um, but also I had a lot of family support. So my parents supported me 
just endlessly and they still do. So um, I'm very lucky in that sense that, you know, I had that support because a lot of women don't, they don't have the family around them and they don't have a network mm. and everything and they're literally starting from scratch. So um, but having said all of that, because it was my choice, like I've just loved being a single parent. I have to say, mm-hmm. like, this is so much better. Like, I, and the other thing is, is I don't share custody, and I never have. So that is, I think, my experience would be very different if we were going back and forth all the time. Yeah. Um, when I was married, I was a stepmom, and I saw that happen for ten years, and the effect on the children going back and forth, and the the fighting over the the bickering over who has what child at what time, and all of that kind of stuff. It is, I'm so grateful. I'm so so grateful that I've never had to do that because um, that makes it easier, I guess, as well. That's one of the big, you know, yeah. big problems that a lot of people face. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, that's that's fantastic. And it's so lovely to hear such a positive, positive story of single parenting because we hear so much, well, we can hear a lot of doom and gloom and, and challenges and whatever else and um, I'm not, I'm the first person to tell someone that they should never stay in a situation where they're not happy. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you didn't work at things. That's, that's um, you know, relationships can be challenging. But the, at the end of that, if it's time to step away, then it's time to step away. And that's really important to be able to do that, even if you have children, even if those challenges are going to be there for a, a little while. And support networks are definitely the most important thing Um in that transition. Having, so, having said that, I, I don't want to make it seem like it's been, you know, it is like all parenting is a labour of love. Oh, all yeah. parenting is hard work. And yeah, totally. I, I listen to my friends complain about their, their, my married friends complain about their husbands and I'm like, Jesus Christ, glad that's not me. But they look at me and they're like, and they're like, Jesus Christ, I'm glad I've got a double income in the household. Yeah, yeah, or just someone to tag team with sometimes, like when your teenager might not be being very nice or your teenager or whatever. Other thing I've got to say, the other reason why I've been lucky is, you know, it would be a very different experience for me if Winston had been um, a child with extra um, extra needs or extra challenges. Mm. Yeah. So um, I am certainly not saying that I'm doing better than other single mums. It's just my circumstances have allowed me to have a little bit more freedom and, I guess, you know, peace of mind because he's just a really good kid. I've done an amazing job. (laughs) Pat yourself on the back for that. I love it. You have done an amazing job. Like the way you describe your son is is a sign of the parenting that he has received from you and and that in itself is our job as parents. So, But you've had a really interesting, interesting time with your son in regards to race and uh, uh, you've told this story uh, like in your writing and whatever and I've I've read it and gone oh I know that story so how many times like is it can you count them on one hand or is it just ridiculous how many times people have told you that you are not the mother of your son or that surely you can't be related because he like for lack of more appropriate terms he looks white um, and you do not, and I'm in exactly the same situation with my youngest son, who I think you've seen a photo of, so you, yeah. you know that my life is similar in that way. Um, 
does it happen all the time or does it continue to happen now that he's older or now that he's older he kind of just goes he speaks up for you or had now that he's old, older and like 75 centimeters taller than me he <laughs> uh, or a meter 75 centimeters taller than me he looks like my young boyfriend and people do <laughs> double take Right, it even happens with my stepson who's 25, and they're just yeah, like, right. like, Oh, who's that hot guy in the photo? And I'm like, Oh my god, this is awkward. That is my stepson who I've known since he was eight months Isn't old. Isn't that awkward? I, um, I had a similar experience with my eldest son who's about to turn 16, and he's very tall as well. And, um, I, I think we were sitting, this was a maybe a year ago, we were sitting at a cafe and we were kind of like roadside. Um, so someone had driven past us and had sent me a text and said, oh, I saw you with this young man and I was going to be like, who is that? And then she realised and she was like, I was horrified <laughs> that I thought that you were like having a hot day and then it was your son. And I was like, this, this, there's way too much to unpack there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it makes, actually makes me a little bit cross as well because I'm like, I'm like, you, like the one girl who did said that to me, I was like, you know, like that's, I mean, he looks like Winston. It's so bizarre. Like they just look exactly like each other. My step oh, wow. Winston. It's just, it blows my mind. But anyway, um, but yes, to answer your question, that confusion happens all the time. Um, constantly, you know, people will say you're his, you know, you're his mum. <laughs> like tentatively. Waiting. Like yeah. seriously, like I'm at the dentist with him. Would I be like doing this, you know, for fun? It's like no one's putting their hand up for these jobs if they're not actually a parent or guardian. Yeah, exactly. And but you know, then you know, I've been mistaken for the nanny so many times, particularly mm. when I was younger. Um, you you know, going to the airport is just terrifying for me because mm. um, there was one particular time when she refused to believe, even though we both had passports. She refused to believe we were mother and son and, you know, it was uh, the check-in lady, sorry, I shouldn't just say she. Um, yeah. uh, the, she probably shouldn't even say check-in lady, that's rude too, whatever. <laughs> the official name of the person. Staff member at the counter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Sorry, every, sorry, everybody who works for an airline. Anyway, so, um, you know, and that's terrifying to think that, you know, you might be split up or, and it's, you know what, what, what's, what's funny is it is honestly just based on the colour of our skin because, I mean, like Winston is white, he's fluorescent white, okay, I don't know how. <laughs> In summer he can, but it's still like no, we still know when, you know, match. So I get that, but if you actually looked at us, we're identical. Yeah, your features. Yeah, your facial features yeah. and stuff. I, I totally understand. So good looking. So obviously he's my child, right? And yeah, of course. Like yeah. it's totally your son. Yeah. Like exactly. of course that's where he gets his beautiful features from. Yeah, and, so. and hilarious as well. But so if you looked beyond the skin and, you know, this all started, um, I don't know if you ever read this story because I have told it a few times, the one where I lost him at Target and they wouldn't give him back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I read that one. Yeah. He didn't, and that's the classic reference, and that's the one that, you know, they're like, no, 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 he's not your son. He couldn't be your son because, and this was, you know, back before smartphones where you had 7,000 photos of, you know, you together yeah. and pictures of yeah, your yeah, yeah. that only a parent would have and, you know, stuff like that. And um, and it was a classic case of people not looking at us, actually, but just mm. looking by the skin. So it's disappointing because it, it still happens too often 
for how many biracial families we've got in the world. Like, yeah. you know, there's not actually going to be a race at the end of the day. Like, there's yeah, not yeah, totally. Got, like, and I think that that's in a lot of ways it's brilliant because yeah. hopefully that will help to resolve some of the issues that we have in the world. But mm-hmm. yeah, I um, I guess I I'm like I live in a nice little bubble. I don't do a lot. So I kind of I only see the same people all the time and whatever else. So we don't have that experience. I I haven't experienced it recently, but I know that if I stepped outside of Mm -hmm. said bubble, I probably would. Um, Yeah, and my my son, my youngest son, sorry, looks identical to my husband, Mm. and uh, like two peas in a pod. It's I got nothing like that. He got my awesome personality, which my husband loves sometimes. But yeah, there's nothing else there feature wise, and um, it is. It's I've definitely had that. Are you his nanny? Um, yeah. Like I remember when he first started childcare, and I went to pick him up, and I hadn't met all the staff yet, so they freaked out because I went, walked in and picked up this baby, and they were like, "What is this lady doing?" And oh my God, all that sort of stuff. So ridiculous. Yeah, so ridiculous. and it's it is hard and it's upsetting, and um, especially when they are little and you they can't speak up for themselves and say yeah of course that's my mum so I'll be really yeah that's exactly right yeah yeah and, and, and I think it yeah oh that's what happened in Target that day you know Winston was like only yeah. three years old and he yeah. couldn't you know but it was obviously obvious because then when I went and just like grabbed him um like it was obvious he was my child and also because yeah I screamed it out loud so I was quite hysterical by that stage so yeah yeah yeah, yeah well, definitely and I think it raises the the other point of how quickly that we actually need to stop and think before we speak and think before we act sometimes because this conversation of assumption assumption based on the way that we look applies to so many different parts of our community that are minorities like in in one way or, or another um and it happens with I think we're we hope that we're getting better, but it's it's there's still work to be done, and I I guess it reminds me that people really need to stop and think before they like you know just think you know taste your words before they spit out of your mouth sort of thing because you're likely to offend someone if you don't realise that you're making a judgment based on the skin color on their skin color or this or this or that and um and then we have like there's so many different types of family units out there and and so. Just be kind and just be yeah. Just be a bit, bit mindful before you you speak. Um, and is Winston as he gets older? Does he um, is he embracing? Like, do you guys spend spend a lot of time kind of talking about his biracial um, uh, like heritage? Does he? Is that something that he's interested in as he's getting older? Oh my god, absolutely! And even and he is disbelieved a lot of the time. Like his friends, like his other classmates and stuff, will will, will be like when he first started high school at the beginning of this year. And you know, you, the parents don't go in and like talk to each other the way they do when you know you're in primary school. And um, so no one had sort of seen me. And Winston would be like, "I'm Indian," and people would be like. Stop making stuff up no, in your life. And so I actually yep. write an article about how it's so sad. He's just not even going to bother telling anybody. Like he's so mm-hmm. proud of him. He's so proud of his Indian heritage. We don't, we've never, look, the circumstances have been that we've never shared custody. 
Winston is a lot closer. To, I mean, my family is his family that he's grown up with. He identifies yeah. as Indian. He doesn't actually even identify as biracial. Like he identifies as Indian and it's so gorgeous because he's like white AF and he's, you know, Indian. He's Indian, Indian, Indian. So, you know, we celebrate Diwali together. He can sing you the Indian national anthem. Like he's, you know, he's, it's so funny. Like he is just the whitest Indian person that you'll ever know. And he's super yeah. proud of it. It's really interesting um, from a genetic perspective, like if he chooses to have children, um, what they will look like because that's the fascinating thing about genetics and um, like they could end up being dark and that in itself will cause some interesting conversations. So who knows? It's it's a bit of a fascinating thing, especially if he chooses to, um, like, talking very traditional heterosexual um, relationships, but if he chose to have a partner that was a woman of colour and they had children, who knows? Like, then he would be the white dad. It would be very interesting. There's, like, there's so many other dynamics that I I think about that stuff when I think about my boys and I wonder how they play out and how the gene pools are going to work and all that stuff. So... Wow. Um, I I know when I read your pieces on this topic, be it uh, microaggressions, be it um, what it's like to have children that are biracial, um, I have this parallel of my youngest son looks white, my eldest son does not. I have to educate them on certain things in certain ways because mm-hmm. they will walk through the world in a different way. Yeah. Um uh, there's definitely elements of my feminist views that I pass on to both of them, but there are definitely some racial discussions that are more, you know, tar- like, you know, that I have to sit and have with my elder son because he's going to be a six foot seven, dark skinned man, yeah, and um, and my youngest will will still be a fairly tall man, but he will be a white man, and they will walk through the world completely different. being viewed in a yeah. different way. And that in itself is is really complex as a parent because it's like, wait, they're both my sons and how to think that the colour of their skin will mean that they will experience life. And, and I, I'd love to be optimistic about this, but change takes time and I don't know if we're going to see it fully change in their lifetime so or in their kind of adult life. So still a bit of work to be done, but I... Um, I know that there's other women or other parents or other people out there reading your stories and and going, oh, okay. And I think when I read your articles on these topics, it it reminds me that I'm not alone in those moments and I think that that's brilliant. So just keep writing. Just keep doing It's so good. I mean, you know, one of my sisters actually, like, you know, said, like, I couldn't do what you do and, and, you know, share so much of your life and I only like I, I really believe like the point of writing is to share those stories and experiences and hopefully help you know one yeah. person out there so um that's why I say you know like I'm I'm it looks like I'm sharing a lot but I I'm not just like like the vomiting up about my life I'll do that in person like on you like you know when I'm talking to you but <laughs> I think what in my life and experience could I help somebody with and that's what I want you know that's what I write about yeah yeah so you obviously write about these pieces and and a range of others that are 
a little bit heavier, um, or they're there to share experiences and lessons. Mm. We've had the pseudocreme face mask. Mm. What what is another light piece that you've written of late that you've really enjoyed or has had some traction? So I wrote about um, how Winston now doesn't want to spend time with me when we're at home like he doesn't want to hang out with me so normally like you know when they're little they're like you know hanging around your ankles when you're trying to cook dinner and all of of that kind of stuff whereas like now he's like so the other night I said oh this is really cool movie let's watch it together and he's like he's like no thanks dog and like just yeah I saw that no thanks dog like what is that I was like all right cool so, um, and then like then I walked into his room like an hour later and he was watching the movie. He just didn't want to watch it with me. And I was oh, oh my God. Oh, like, you know, this is what's going to happen. Like, this is the reality. And this, aren't I lucky that this is going to happen? Like, he's, you know, gaming with his friends online and, you know, all of that. So many mums, so many parents don't get the privilege of getting their kids to this age. And so, you know, like how lucky this is this is a typical you know experience but um no more huggles on the sofa and there's no more you know like it's but I'm I'm certainly like now the taxi driver and for his social life and all his activities and that's the only time I really get to talk to him um or like when we're doing the dishes together or something like that like yeah but now he just wants to hang out in his bedroom and I remember like wanting to do that too so right at that age he's like you know just first year of high school yeah I very much understand that and I've I've like lived a few more years of teenage parenting Mm. um because my my turning at this time of recording my son's actually turning 16 this weekend and I'm having that like he's he's doing his practice learning learners test so he can go for his learners and oh my god like I can't breathe and and then we he got a he got a job so he's got like his second shift at his new job this weekend and like it, like I hyperventilate a little bit because I'm like what stop <laughs> just stop slow down um and I feel like I blinked and it happened I um if anyone hasn't, if anyone's um, hasn't seen the piece that Mia Friedman wrote, and then um, I know Mama Mia put a kind of video compilation together about mm-hmm. it of the the heartbreaks and the breakups that you have with your with your son as they change and grow, and that to me is a very clear indication of that experience that you've had with the not what did he say. Um, not tonight, dog. No, or what did you- no, 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 thanks, dog. But you know what? Like, I've, I mean, obviously, like I've worked with Mia um, in the office. I was um, at Mama Mia for just over a year. And so with Mia and Luca and watching that dynamic. And they're so close. They're like best friends, yeah. right? And, yeah. I, and that's something that people don't ever talk to you about, that as they get older, like I actually wrote about this the other day, that Winston is my best, one of my best friends, not the yeah. best friend, like yeah. uh, best friends in all different, different, you know, reasons and shapes and stuff. People bring different yeah. things into your life. I've lived with him for, you know, yeah. 12 yeah. Years for his whole life. <laughs> exactly. Just the two of us. How do you expect us to not, like he knows me the best, like he knows like which candle I like in the shower and he knows, you know, what my favourite takeaway order is. And this is stuff that other people would not know about me unless they were, even my own sisters, my own mum, unless they were living with me. Now, 
of course, like how can you be a parent without be, having a friendship there as well? Because a friendship means trust and, you know, sharing of experience and in-jokes. Of course you're going to have that. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's a beautiful relationship. And I remember it was probably oh, maybe like 18 months ago now and my son randomly out of nowhere. And we had gone through that phase of like, I don't want to hang out with you kind of thing. Mm. And because I have a younger son, like, you know, our life had been a bit consumed by him. So I was kind of getting that hugs on the couch from the little one. So I didn't probably feel it as much that my teenager was starting to slip away. And, um, and then one day he kind of came up to me, he's like, oh, do you, do you want to go to the movies? And I just went, I looked at him and I went, and I actually said, with, with who? (laughs) I didn't know. Like, I was like, what? And he was like, well, with me, like, do you, should we go to the movies? And I was like, why? Like, I was so perplexed by this comment because I'd gone through that phase already where he was like, I'm going to go out with my friends and I'm going to do this and whatever else. And yeah, so I I kind of probably looked really rude. I sounded really rude for a minute because I was like, but why? And he's like, because I want to go to see this movie and I thought you might want to see it with me. So, and in my head, I'm like, is this because you want me to pay for the movie? Like, yeah. what is this? It's the trick. <laughs> but it was really sweet. And then yeah. he made, oh, and he made me go see like this teenage love story thing. And I don't even watch those kind of movies. And then I cried like the whole time. And he's like, why you're crying? I'm like, yeah, you made me see this emotional movie and you're like being nice to me. And it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it totally got me in the feels. And I'm yeah. like, stop being weird freaking me out but then I get these I'll get these random I got a message from him when he got this job like last week and he was like oh I got the job and it went really well and I've got my first shift tomorrow and um and I was like I'm really proud of you and like I got this real sappy message back I was like what is going on so I get these moments and yeah you do you you that was such a good way of describing it because you do you spend his whole life we've been together so of course we're going to be close but yeah no I'm riding the wave of the fact that my youngest is eight and I'm going to hold on to that for as long as I can because I'm like you're still small let's make the most of it that's actually what I was saying that you know um because he's an only child as well it and so you know like people might go oh well you know this is why you need to repartner and blah 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 I don't want anyone else's company. It's his company. It's not just like some random yeah. company that I want. <laughs> but, you know, like with my mum, and you, you know, may be able to relate to this, that, you know, like as you get older, you become, like, you, you know, you, like my mum's my best friend. She's the one who knows everything. She knows who has been a bitch to me in the office. She knows, <laughs> like, she knows all of that shit. Like, she knows the dirty tea on every part of my life. And, you know, that's what happens. And so, like, you know, no one talks about that and that that's okay. Like, that is natural and that's okay. Like, you can be uh, yourself with your mum and talk about and sh- reveal the most horrible, bitchiest side of yourself, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? The gossip and the yeah. like that where, you know, like, yeah, you know what I mean. Because they meant to just love you unconditionally. And I think that's the other thing, like going through – parenting and and whatever else and going through the crappy days and you go oh this is pretty crappy but then you like you keep going back because that's your job and and you're there and 
it's the unconditional love piece and that's why it, it's so beautiful watching them grow up and as you said it's it's what we're supposed to they're supposed to not want to be with us and they're supposed yeah. to grow and they're supposed to want to move out and all that stuff so yeah it's all coming but um it's all very exciting um no but yeah with that that whole um I love the way he talks to you like he's like you guys are just best friends. And he's you guys so awesome. And I, I wrote a piece um, for the ABC about what it's like, like what I, you know, have learned in this experience as a single parent and stuff. And the number one thing is that it is the most incredible love story. Like it mm-hmm. is a love like I've never, and I think all parents, well, not all, most parents would say this, um, maybe, you know, you know, I don't know. This is my experience. It has been um hard work like parenting is but it's also the, the like the most incredibly satisfying you know and an emotional love story and I do think that we've been very lucky yeah 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 definitely That's one thing that turned out well in my life <laughs> um so are there any any things that you're working on at the moment any articles that we should be looking out for or um anything else like I know you've done a few podcasts and you've written that chapter in the book um what else is there what's on the horizon yeah well that chapter in the book was such a big deal for me because it was a friend of mine um a lovely lady named Annabelle Bauer and her son Miles was she had she had to give birth to him and he was um he had died and Mm -hmm. she wanted to write about what it's like to have to sign over your embryos and um you know that's a kind of fertility loss which I experienced when I got divorced you're not allowed to use them you have to take your partner to court and stuff like that so that was it was a real that was a real sadness it's some you know something that I hadn't planned at the time um so that was supposed to be a big deal this year this book coming out and everything and of course I couldn't didn't end up being able to go um for the book launch in Adelaide and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but in terms of the future, um, oh, sorry for all my arms, by the way. Edit that out, okay? <laughs> no, they're the great ones. They're the, uh, you need the arms. It's where your brain is thinking. It's totally cool. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I said to Winston this morning, I'm doing a podcast, and this is this morning, and this is the first time. Somebody has wanted to talk to me just because it's just because of me, right? Yeah, yeah. This is but totally I, about you, not about anything else. I, How cool is that? You can totally yeah, tell. I'm like, this. Well, I was like, I was like, this is like so great. This is so funny, and uh, because you know, I've done so many other podcasts and stuff, but it's talking about my specific experience with what the podcast is related to, like parenting or divorce or whatever, and. Um, and I was like, oh, this is like, this is so, this is so cool. And Winston's like, why did they want you? Like, because <laughs> you're awesome. Because <laughs> she's awesome, Winston. You know this. He was just trolling me. He's so mean. It's so funny. So uh, so, yeah, so I've just um, started working regularly with the ABC, which is fantastic because um, it's in particular ABC Life, and that is, it, it's so interesting. Like it's a, 
it's not just personal stories. It's about really helping people and speaking to experts and, and stuff like that. And I'm learning so much, but it's also a different sort of um, journalism as well. So uh, I'm really excited about doing more of that, like, you know, you know in the future. Um, but for right now, oh, my gosh, I cannot. It's been a big year for me. Um, Winston started high school, lockdown, you know, oh, my gosh, I look back, there's just been so much. And, of course, my um, sister died unexpectedly um, in July. So whilst I'm still writing and I'll be working with all the places and that I'm working with until the end of the year, um, I just can't think past January next year because I really, really need a break. My mind needs a break and we need to go home and spend some more time with my mum. So, yeah. No, that that all sounds fantastic. And I guess for context, we're recording this kind of last week of October. Um, Nam is based in Sydney so um, and I'm based in Melbourne, so our, our restrictions and lockdown experiences have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, borders at this point in Australia are not open. Um, we hope to be open um, for interstate travel by the end of the year so people can visit interstate for family and um, all that sort of stuff. So it's a really interesting time and I totally agree with you. I'm hanging. Like I've been in my house mm. forever no, but I yeah. still cannot wait for Christmas holidays so I can stay in my house. Like I know it sounds bizarre but it's like don't tell me that I have to stay in my house but when you get, when I have some time off I plan to stay in my house. Yeah. Like I plan to, but I plan to entertain and have people over and that's the bit I'm looking for. It's the freedom of choice. My sister's in Brunswick so she's been in the same situation as you for this like ridiculous length of lockdown and the lockdown of so many services and stuff that are you know like basic human rights like going to a cafe and getting a you know seven dollar coffee and stuff like that um so she so she I I've had a glimpse of that I quarantined for two weeks when I went to Adelaide for my sister's funeral and um I caught a glimpse of what that's like to actually not be allowed to leave your house to go like I wasn't even allowed to go to the supermarket to you know you can't just go and grab a coffee really quickly and come back I've had a very small glimpse into what you guys have been going through for months and months and months and you know like hats off to you it's it's amazing and I'm so glad that it's over yeah we're um, we've had we've had a good week it's been an emotional roller coaster but we're we're seeing the first lights of uh, change and lower case numbers and yeah. less restrictions and stuff. So it's going to be, it's a good time of the year as well as we kind of head oh. towards Christmas mm. and whatever else. But okay, well, thank you so much for um, for sharing all of that with us. I only have one more question for you and I'm actually really curious to hear what this answer is going to be. So with everyone that you have had the opportunity to meet and all of the beautiful people you have in your life, who is the first person that comes to mind that inspires you? Um, well, I have to actually give kudos to Mayor Friedman because the way I had written a couple of contributor articles for her and then um, for Mama Mia as a you know, single mom over in Adelaide, like no writing experience and whatever. And then something really big happened and which I won't refer to, but something, you know, it was a big media event and I wrote to her about it and I just said, I think, I told her, I think you need to diversify your voices at Mamma Mia. And mm-hmm. so basically that set me on the path to getting a job 
in Sydney with her. And, I mean, she took a chance on a single mum who had no backup here, so, you know, maybe not the most reliable of (laughs) employees. Um, And she gave me a seat at that table and it was like, it was like this very well-paid, um, you know, internship basically because I'm sure I got a lot more out of it than, than she did because that was my first journalistic media experience and um, it was incredible. It was incredible looking back now for, for that chance that she gave me and she was so patient with me and taught me so much and she really believed in me. So I and, – and she still does. So I look at the way Mia works and um, I try to emulate that. You know, she's 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 the queen, really. And I've um, yeah, like I love learning from her. Wow, what a beautiful experience! And good on you for being brave enough to just say, "Hey, maybe some diversity in your voices is an important thing." And obviously, props to Mia. Um, and obviously her team as well, but definitely props to Mia who obviously has the, the key decision-making in some of these these choices. And when we know better, we're supposed to do better and, and it sounds like she's doing great work in that space. So Yeah, she is. Wow. She really is, yeah. That's, That's cool. amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today and your honesty and all your, like, I, I don't think I've ever laughed so much in an interview. It's so great. You can tell your son that. I just said that you were awesome and hilarious and can't wait to chat with you again soon and take that, Winston. (laughs) (laughs) Take that dog. (laughs) I'll definitely pass that message on to him. Thank you so much for having me. I hope, um, yeah, I I hope you enjoy your freedom in Melbourne this week. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of She Inspires Me. All of Nama's links, so um, to some of her articles, um, you can find her on social media, um, which is where you'll find a lot of her um, links to her articles. Um, But we'll put all that in the show notes. We'll obviously put some um, links to um, Mia Friedman. So if anyone, if you've lived under a rock in Australia and you've never heard of Mia Friedman, we'll make sure you can find her as well. And, yeah, thank you again, and we look forward to sharing with you on our next episode of She Inspires Me. Thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.